With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Go on! Go on! Sometimes longer isn't better. So if you're looking for a fantasy NFL game that doesn't last all season, try Paddy Power Fantasy. Every game week is a season in itself. Try it for free on our super short, super free contest on this Sunday's 6pm games. The top 1,500 customers in the contest win a prize with £1,000 for first place. Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. Team plus Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show in association with Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with us and a hell of a lot to get into. What an eventful Sunday it was, week two in the NFL. So luckily we have Greg Brady on hand to decipher everything you need to know. Greg making a season debut coming up very shortly. Also a very special guest, Michael Tenenbaum, former GM at the Jets, of course, at the Dolphins as well. Now ESPN's front office insider from across the pond joins us a little bit later on as well i'll be getting into sam Darnold. i'll be talking about the situation at miami with him plenty more besides so a jam-packed show coming your way don't forget subscribe to us on all the usual podcatchers and if you're enjoying the content do us a little favor give us a review helps us with the algorithm helps with the sponsors everybody is happy enough of this jibber jabber time to get into it let's get greg brady on the show making his season debut and something I'm very happy about. My old compadre, Greg Brady from across the pond. How are you? I am a compadre. I'm somewhat old and I'm equally happy. So let's do this. <laughs> there is a ton to get into. There is obviously one place uh, that we've got to start. Speaking of old and aging, two quarterbacks that are in that gang of uh, wily old veterans still getting it done. Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. But potentially for the Steelers and the New Orleans Saints, seasons turn completely on their head with injuries to both of them. So that's where we'll start. Now, we're recording this on Monday, of course, uh, Greg, and what we understand from Drew Brees is there's a, a problem with his thumb. Uh, the Saints are going to release information a little bit later on. What we know for certain is he's going to be out for a, a little while. Roethlisberger was trying to see as well just how long his absence will be. Either way, given their respective starts to the season, a major bump in the road. Let's start with Brees and, and the situation mm-hmm. there. So New Orleans, of course, have one of the better backups in, in Teddy Bridgewater. And he had, an, I guess, an indifferent time coming in. You can understand that. They've also got the Taysom Hill option as well. They could go there, which would be more of a wild card. And there seems to be a divided opinion on which way they should go. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say with Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's your he's your show pony. I think he's considered one of the best backups in the league. He's also one of the most expensive backups in the league. But we could remember when New Orleans signed him uh, or traded for him off the Jets roster because uh, that was so confusing when the Jets had signed him and then ended up knowing they'd get Sam Darnold or at least a really good quarterback in the 2018 draft. So I th- I'm sure it's Bridgewater's job to lose. The question is, can he get right and can this team get right soon enough? It- it's hard to compare uh, and suggest that there was a spiral from last year's NFC title game loss. But obviously, and, and the breeze factors into breeze injury factors massively into week two. 
but I'm not sure they were the best team on the football field in their first game against the Houston Texans. I'm not sure they didn't benefit from, obviously, a 58-yard field goal and some shoddy coverage late uh, from the Houston Texans in their secondary. So, And they just, like Nat, they have just not lived without Drew Brees really since he got there. We talked about Eli Manning and, and his game streak, but at 40 years old, uh, because Brady, we, we wouldn't count Brady just because he missed that entire 2008 season, basically. Breeze just hasn't had to come out of a game before. There's a couple of years he's played 15 games. He's had a week off, come back in. Last year they were 13-2, and two, and they sat him in the last game when it looked like his MVP hopes were, were sort of lost to Patrick Mahomes. But but that offense doesn't know life without him. And, you know, mm. I, I, I'd, I'd compare that to Pittsburgh where they've had plenty of Big Ben absences. So if, you're at, if I'm thinking who I'm more concerned about, watching that video, and I'm sure – all your listeners uh, saw it, is is Drew Brees not even be able to grip a football, let alone throw right. it. There's got to be tremendous concern, and you're going into Seattle next week, and you've got a lot of tough games ahead. The only benefit for them, that is neither team in their division that we can consider competitors has looked great either. The Atlanta Falcons kind of squeaked one out against the Eagles. I'm not sure they were the better team in that game. And Carolina and Cam Newton, there's just as many questions about them after sure. losing it. Just what I thought was a must-win game. i got to have Week 2 game, and, and maybe the more than any other team in the league, Thursday night at home against Tampa, you got to win that game, and they didn't. You got to, You can completely understand how the, the stuffing was knocked out of the Saints after Brees went out. And uh, I saw one writer describe them as uh, most of the players were looking completely shell-shocked, which, which is a pretty accurate uh, accurate reflection. You mentioned the issues that they've had offensively. I think the running game is a massive concern, of course, with Mark Ingram going. So it changed the dynamic there of the, uh, of, of how Kamara plays. Latavius Murray has been brought in to mm-hmm. fill that role. It hasn't really worked out, certainly against the Rams, who are, as we know, are quite porous against the run. Uh, they didn't really get anything going. Kamara, 45 yards on 13 carries. Uh, Michael Thomas still balling, of course, targeted 13 times in, in that game. But I guess with Teddy Bridgewater, they have one of the better backups in the NFL. It does always, when a situa- situation like this uh, occurs, it gets me thinking, Greg, about how budgets are managed. And I, and I realize that teams can't spend uh, copious amounts of money on a backup quarterback because of the salary cap and uh, and leveling things out. And equally, there isn't necessarily a, a particularly strong talent pool of, of terrific backup quarterbacks out there. Nevertheless, it does surprise me that there are some contending teams out there with a pretty mediocre backup. At least they can look at Bridgewater. He's done it in the NFL, injury problems notwithstanding, and feel confident about that. The Steelers mm-hmm. and Mason Rudolph, he's more of an unknown quantity, but reports coming out of Pittsburgh that uh, the players certainly are buying into him. He looked uh, impressive when uh, he came in thrust into a difficult situation there seems to be quite a lot of upside on Mason Rudolph yeah and quick on the Saints points I'd love to talk about the Steelers yeah they, there's only so much you can do Bridgewater Bridgewater also was looking to cash in he had a really bad health hand dealt him in Minnesota with that preseason injury they brought in Sam Bradford they were looking at uh, obviously Case Keenum was the guy that eventually was the Vikings quarterback of choice and and earned the contract he got but that's the road is littered the last 20 years with guys who who are backups on established teams, get big, fat contracts. I'd even look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Bills gave him a massive contract after sort of holding the fort down with the Rams or holding the fort down with a couple other teams. Scott Mitchell was Dan Marino's backup, famously went to Detroit, big money, and floundered um, for, for most of his career in Detroit. So it's a very dangerous game leaving yourself sort of like it's the big house with no with no insurance uh, when, when the fire comes or the windstorm comes. And the quarterback is such an important position. To Pittsburgh... I look and go, they just seem to have a way. It's like when they lose a receiver like Antonio Brown or Mike Wallace or Plaxico Barres. They seem to find 
a quick replacement. It's much harder to do a quarterback. But as we said, uh, Ben Roethlisberger's missed games. There was the league imposed suspension. There's there's often been injuries. He's had a tough time staying. He seems older than his 37. I think most football fans would think Roethlisberger was yep. older than Breeze because of all that he's been through. But it's he's only made 16 starts once in the last four seasons, and this would be one in the last five. So there's been guys coming in. Charlie Batch, Dennis Dixon. There have been guys that just just either were established veteran backups. Um, and Landry Jones was obviously the one the last couple of years to step in and have to make a couple of emergency starts. I agree with you. They may have something here in Mason Rudolph that we weren't quite sure that they did have. But it's one thing to come in and, and look past it. Remember, they didn't win the game. He was at, but no, through no fault of Mason Rudolph. It's one thing to come in the game and, and give some relief for a little bit. It's another thing with the weapons they don't have now that they had a couple years ago. Le'Veon Bell to hand off to Antonio Brown to find in the end zone. It's another thing completely to to ask them to do it. I would say the one benefit is I think they've got three of the next five games for Pittsburgh. Home against Cincy, home against Baltimore, division game important one, and home against Miami. They go to the mm-hmm. Niners, they go to the Chargers. Those are long West Coast trips for them. Those are harder to pull off, including the way Jimmy G rebounded from week one. In We really had a good week one second half, but he's had a good six quarters in a row now. So that's very – man, I I don't know when the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers were 0-3, but they're staring it in the face. And even though yeah. they've got those easy games on the schedule, that's asking a lot of their backup quarterback to pull them up to 500 by, say, the eight-game mark. Yeah, big time. The, you mentioned as well, obviously, that the change in offensive personnel, that is uh, clearly going to hinder a team at the best of times. But drilling down more closely, Juju Smith-Schuster moving up to be the number one receiver. A lot of narrative around that suggesting, is he able to be the, the top guy in a team, even if he is, even if he has the ability to flourish in that role? And the sample size isn't big enough mm-hmm. yet for us, to, I think, to make that assessment. The obvious impact going down the food chain as well. When you have Antonio Brown, who is getting double teamed as a number one receiver, as they often do, it obviously opens up uh, and relieves the pressure on the receivers further down uh, the depth chart. So there is a knock-on dual effect there as well of Antonio Brown going, losing his productivity, but losing the attention that he garners as well. They haven't replaced uh, him in a number of different ways. But as you say, Mason Rudolph, decent, uh, a decent return, 12 of 19, uh, 112 yards, uh, two touchdowns, of course, had that pick. Pretty decent rating, a 92.4. So maybe all is not lost with that. Keep an eye on those stories, of course. And on our Wednesday show with Iron Mike, uh, we will have a clearer picture of uh, how long both of those quarterbacks are going to be out for. Now, Greg, you mentioned Sunday night football, the Falcons and the Eagles. And again, keying in on the quarterbacks in that game, a real uh, erratic performance from both of them, Matt Ryan uh, and Carson Wentz. Ryan, three touchdowns, three picks. Uh, the Falcons got it done just, but it was uh, it was a real thriller and a flip flopping, a flip flopping even backwards and forwards. Uh, mm. And Atlanta squeak over the line at the end, twenty four twenty at the final there. And boy, did they need that win! They were staring zero and two down the barrel, and that would have been a long way out, I think, for them. Yeah, real messy and a messy division. They've had some benefit from nobody really grabbing the reins in the first two weeks, and and obviously it's tough to get separation after two, but you can sure get it after four weeks if you're if you're trending in the right direction or the wrong direction. Direction. I I do think there's got to be some concern. Um, I think I think both teams probably left really disappointed. The Eagles because they didn't get the W and they may have been the better team, and the mm. Falcons maybe not because they know they were the, were not the better team and maybe didn't deserve to get that game. And it was a superstar wide receiver in Julio Jones that sort of went up and and got it for them. Matt Ryan's last two interceptions in the in the fourth quarter 
were not good throws. It wasn't good timing. It wasn't good decision making. Uh, he didn't have his feet in the in the right spot. And three interceptions for any quarterback nowadays feels like an awful lot uh, to scrutinize. So I think the scrutiny is there, even though they've gotten back to one and one. But it tells you as well, like a superstar receiver, and we get we get stuck. Sometimes we annoy guys, I think, after five, six weeks. Julio Jones has done this for six, seven years now, and yeah. he's been so real. And some guys get it get it in for a couple years. The light shines really bright, but they're not going to be Randy Moss, and they're not going to be Terrell Owens. And Julio Jones just separates, I feel like, from from everybody else. And I mean, Jerry Rice is, is considered, that's the one sports argument you can never have. You can talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron or the best ice hockey player ever, or the best striker ever. ever. Yeah. You just can't do anything about Jerry Rice. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet, two men threw him the football his whole career, Joe Montana and Steve Young. We didn't yeah. see him ever <laughs> right. with a subpar mediocre quarterback. So I think Ryan is trending downward. I, it, you know, this was an MVP, uh, obviously, from a few years ago, but sure. Julio Jones, I thought, gave him a real bailout last night with a couple We're of his catches, including to- the touchdown. Sorry, Greg, Calvin Ridley as well, talking of Tannins. Ridley had 100 mm-hmm. uh, plus yards and a touchdown as well. And, uh, again, good to, back to my point, uh, with the Steelers when they, uh, uh, when you're doubling down in that respect, and I think Ridley is a bona fide number one receiver in many other franchises, uh, that is a very difficult thing to navigate. And certainly giving, uh, the Falcons cause for optimism, their running game isn't, and same with the, uh, same with the Eagles as well. And we were talking to Ollie Wilson on uh, the live coverage on TalkSport 2 uh, on Sunday nights. Of course, you're a part of that show uh, mm-hmm. as well. And Ollie, a uh, big Eagles fan, was out at Lincoln talking to a lot of the players over the last week or so and was uh, waxing lyrical about that varied rushing attack that, that Philly have put together. But they misfired uh, against Atlanta. Jordan Howard just not really recreating anything close to uh, the form he showed a couple of years ago as a Chicago Bear. Miles Sanders had an average of 2.8 on 10 carries. Nothing going on there. And there wasn't much better for the Falcons either. They couldn't, between Freeman uh, and mm-hmm. Smith, get anything going on the ground at all there. So uh, warning signs on that side of the ball for both of those franchises. But the Falcons improved to one-on-one. The Eagles drop to one and one now uh, of course a number of teams faring better than that in the nfl greg uh, greg a bunch of teams with a perfect record so far will be after just a couple of weeks two and oh teams so i figured what we should do is a whistle stop uh rattle through those teams uh and decide if they're real deal or no deal Oh, you're, putting, so oh well, you're going to put me on the spot. So there's no half deal. There's no, Mm-mm, I'm not sure no deal. I have no idea yet deal. Okay, a real or no, I got it. I can do there's that. There's no delay. You can't go back to the EU for any kind of extension. This is real deal <laughs> or no deal, Greg Brady. So we'll start, well, with probably the easiest answer out of all of them. And the New England Patriots absolutely shellacking the Miami Dolphins. No surprise there. Some might say the surprise was they kept it to just the 43 points. 43 zip New England uh, mixing it up uh, once again. All kinds of figures factoring in the offense, including Antonio Brown. More of him in a minute. So, Greg Brady, the Patriots, real deal or no deal? Well, they're real. There's no question about that. And and But some of it is so much to do with, A, the competition they've played so far and how discombobulated Pittsburgh looked on uh, on the opening week with, with probably some of the Antonio Brown noise, even though they traded him in March. It was probably still ringing around their ears a little bit as an offense. Uh, but I, part of it is just the gimme that the AFC East seems to be. I know Buffalo's right. 2-0 and Bill's Mafia are, uh, are they're all going to jump through tables if they make the playoffs again, Nat, for the second time in three <laughs> seasons. That might be a little premature. I know we'll get to that. But yeah, New England, I, I imagine saying we'd be more confident in New England 
a year after Rob Gronkowski's retirement. Sure. I, I don't think we thought that. And if anything, with the irregularity the Patriots have had repeating as Super Bowl champions, they haven't since 2003 and 2004. Uh, every time they seem to win the Super Bowl the year before, we seem more confident in them. Remember, all the points, mm-hmm. you and I were in Minneapolis, the points they gave up against Philadelphia in the Super Bowl there – a lot of people thought those that, that was going to reverberate around the team next year, and they couldn't get a stop when they needed it. And maybe they got lucky even getting past Jacksonville after they were trailing 2010 in the uh, in the AFC title game. And they just they just made a lot of people quiet with their performance in the regular season and the playoffs last year. They also didn't quite know last year what they had in Sony Michelle. They do now. They seem to have. Uh, the Josh Gordon situation under control. Remember, he played 11 games last season and still caught 40 balls and three touchdowns. But this looks like a Josh Gordon that uh, has to be more reliable this season or this truly is his last chance in the NFL, not last year. So, yeah, I, I believe in them a lot. We're going to get to see them play in Buffalo in week four. They've got the Jets on a short week in Foxborough. They're just going to do what they do. They're going to roll up their 12 or 13 wins. The great question is, is are they going to have to go on the road for the AFC title game again like they did last year? Year. That's hard to do, probably win at Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes two years in a row. Yeah, it is two years in a row, but you get the feeling at the moment and early doors, but they uh, are in the box seat for the number one seed at the moment, particularly, as you say, because of that vanilla division made even easier with the whole Sam Darnold situation out for a number of weeks as the Jets started because of uh, because of glandular fever or mono, as, uh, as they call it, stateside. All right, so they are definitely legit, as I say, uh, the dumbest and maybe easiest answer, dumbest question and easiest answer uh, you're going to give us. Uh, a slightly harder one, I think, and this is all about not getting too carried away. We're big on that on this show, yeah. Greg, as you well know, not uh, over-exaggerating and uh, getting uh, semi-hysterical after just a couple of performances. But the Baltimore Ravens, well, they are looking legit as far as I'm concerned. The Cardinals, uh, I guess, put up a sterner test than some people suspected. 23-17, the final. Lamar Jackson stepping up again in the air. We know what he's able to do on the ground. But back-to-back weeks, impressing throwing the ball. So, the Baltimore Ravens, real deal or no deal? I think they're real, uh, but uh, but that may be, uh, you know, a relation of the division once again. And we just we're going to have to put asterisks next to beating Miami and the Giants and Washington <laughs> yes. and maybe the Jets without Sam Darnold until those teams uh-huh. prove they can beat somebody. So it's tough to take away much from a team. Half their wins are against a team with a minus 92 point differential uh, the two, right now. The, the two worst teams in the NFL, pretty much, I think it's fair to say. Oh, you know, Arizona is showing signs of promise and Kyler Murray is exciting. But yeah, I think if you said Arizona and Miami are the two weakest teams in the NFL right now, you wouldn't get much arguments. A fair point. Are you buying it? Maybe move it away from the Ravens for a moment. What about Lamar Jackson? Real deal or no deal? I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'd, I'd lean no deal only as an elite quarterback. He's certainly somebody that's a serviceable starter, and we see so many of these. I think Tony Romo was that for Dallas, different style. Jay Cutler was that for Chicago, and especially when you draft these guys young or trade for them young as Chicago got Jay Cutler from Denver, you just enter into a, a real a real covenant, a, a marriage almost, where it's going it's going well enough that you sure wouldn't want to rock any boats. But it may not be going well enough to, uh, you know, to to make a like a lifelong commitment. So marriage is probably the wrong example of what I should have suggested. <laughs> yeah. It's it's heavy dating for the first couple of years. You're just not mm. sure if you should pull that ring out of your pocket or not. Look, you're going steady, is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, they're the Ravens they're, they're, and Lamar Jackson are going steady. Yeah, hey, Ollie, our producer, and gave us a decent stat, Greg. Uh, he's the first player, Lamar, since Russell Wilson back in 2014 to have uh, over 250 passing yards, over 100 rushing yards, and no turnovers in a game. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, that that's really impressive. And, and yeah, the game's changed. Passing yards are 300-yard games aren't what they once were. But the fact that no one's done it even the last few years is remarkably impressive. The, the I look at the cautionary tale, and it's a weird one for Lamar Jackson. Who's his backup? Robert Griffin III. And I yep. think about his rookie year and how he went mm-hmm. toe-to-toe. He actually won the rookie of the year ahead of Andrew Luck because uh, yep. Washington won their division, deemed to be a bit tougher. Uh, Andrew Luck went 11-5 and with Indianapolis, but they gave the rookie of the year to Robert Griffin. And it's remarkable how after one year, people thought that might be the wave of the future. And then the injuries, even in the playoffs that year against Seattle, when he was on the sidelines, setting in with the leg and setting in, mm-hmm. I, it's going to be crushing to the people of Baltimore to watch after years of pretty pretty consistent quarterbacking. You knew Joe Flacco would be under center. You knew he'd give you probably better than average, maybe not top five, top six in the league quarterbacking, but you knew what you had. And I'm, win a Super Bowl, I'm, I'm hoping Lamar Jackson stays healthy to provide that. Mm. But I want to see more, and I sure want to see it against good teams this year because we know how bad he was against the L.A. Chargers in the playoffs last year. There was a lot of calls to start Joe Flacco for the second half of a playoff game, which would yeah. have been a real indictment for a rookie quarterback. It's a great, it's a great point. It seems ridiculous now that that was the case only a few months ago. The Cowboys rolling to 2-0, and beating Washington 31-21. The Cowboys, real deal or no deal, Greg? No deal. I, that's going to enrage no Cowboys fans. Wow. I'm not in, not in on this team yet. I have to see them play somebody. And here's the problem. It's going to be a while because they've beaten the Giants. They've, they've scored 66 mm-hmm. points against the Giants in Washington, even with a, uh, even with a late entry into, into obviously the first week of prep for the regular season for Ezekiel Elliott. But, Nat, they play the Miami Dolphins next weekend. There we go with the asterisk again. They're 20.5 mm-hmm. favorites at first glance, and that probably is only going to go up. That's too low, according to many people. And then they go <laughs> to New Orleans. They have Sunday night football, and you think, that's great. Dak Prescott and Drew Brees? Well, maybe uh, not Drew Brees. Uh, so yeah. what? Yeah, that's less of a test. It's still a road win. And if Dallas, mm. this was thought to be the pressure point they could exert on Ezekiel Elliott, Nat, is, is that they've got three very winnable games. Let them sit them out. Let them come crawling back when the games get real because they don't need right. them potentially. And I'm not sure they have. But here's what I'd say about Dallas. Dax impressed me against two obviously lesser than maybe worse five in the league teams. Jason Witten back seamlessly into that offense, and they got a full season now of Amari Cooper, who's playing for a contract someday as well, like a, like a real pro's pro. He's, he's, a, he's a very good number one receiver, and no one can understand why Oakland was so eager to get rid of both Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. You need players like that. Uh, Post-Antonio Brown, it looks even stupider. So I like Dallas, but I'm not quite sure they're a team that's going to roll to a 12-win season just yet. Brady with a no deal take on the Cowboys. That's going to stir things up on social media at the NC show. Let us know. Do you agree with him or not? Let's rather UK Cowboys fans. Right. A bunch to rattle through. So let's start. Uh, quick, uh, fire answers. The Chiefs, of course, beat Oakland, uh, comprehensively in the end after an early scare. The Chiefs, I'm sensing from what you said a little bit earlier on about the Patriots, you're going to go real deal or you're going to shock us and go no deal. Chiefs, real deal or no deal? No, there, Patrick Mahomes just looks unstoppable. It is it is extremely hard to believe that this guy has 17 regular season starts under his belt. He looks like he's had 40 with the poise he shows in the pocket and the ability to get out when there is trouble. So, But the defense, too. Remember also, that's... That's something I thought the 26 points was a bit concerning against Jacksonville, although mm. it was in the heat. They got off to a slow start. I, I think Oakland actually is a decent offense with Derek Carr running the show, and I thought that was real impressive not to give up a point in the last three quarters. So I'm in. I, LaShawn McCoy hasn't done much there so far, but I'm not sure he's going to need to, all told. Uh, Kansas City's very real, and I'd be shocked if they're not in the AFC title game on the road or at home. 
love the moxie that Mahomes has had, even from early on when he just stood toe-to-toe in that shootout uh, against the Patriots last season. And great stat uh, that Ollie's uh, given me. And Mahomes, three or more touchdown passes in seven straight road games. Uh, and that is a record in the modern NFL. Brady had six, Favre and Marino five to put him in, in that kind of company. George Blander on that list as well. So there you go. Huh. Uh, setting uh, some pretty impressive st- uh, stats uh, once again. Let's move on to the Packers uh, beating the Vikings. Where are you on the Green Bay Packers, Greg Brady? Real very deal, in, no deal. Very in, very in, real deal. Uh, again, I'd be shocked if they're not. They're, they're my Super Bowl pick to get there, uh, and I'd be shocked if they don't. Uh, but I'll be shocked more so if they're not in at least the NFC title game. And I know this division is tough. Uh, three teams could make the playoffs out of it. There's no question about that. Chicago got a, a fortunate moment yesterday. I know we're going to speak about them. But this just this just looks like a renewed Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know there was... They should have lost that game, though, shouldn't they? I mean, they, the, I, the Vikings left so many points points on the table yeah they did they did but that's that's partly the red zone offense i look at with green bay or the red zone defense for limiting minnesota sure. and you got to give credit for forcing a turnover no i don't want kirk cousins if i'm a vikings fan or is or or mike zimmer i don't want him throwing that ball on first down off his back foot running to the sidelines on a first and goal but you're gonna have to escape with some especially kirk cousins went into lambo and had 400 plus yards last year I would not have done that deal with Minnesota, but this is still a good quarterback, and he looked like, as you said, he was going to steal one. But their defense, they've spent the money on defense they needed to. They've got a very good running back in Jones. Uh, Devontae Adams looks like maybe a top-five receiver in the league, and Aaron Rodgers looks uh, mustache and all refreshed and, and more vitally involved than he was the last two years and healthy. He has to stay healthy, obviously. Where are you in terms of facial hair for a quarterback? <laughs> Rogers Gardner mentioned real deal or no deal on that. Do you like your quarterback clean shaven, Greg? I'm sort of out on it. And Minshew, mm. I, you know, there, there has to be some, he hasn't put much, uh, stock in the, in, fair in, enough. Yeah. He hasn't put much I'm money in you. the bank yet for in the line of credit, <laughs> if you will, to, yeah, to pull off yeah. some of the looks he's going for getting, uh, getting in and out of locker. But again, we're told he likes to stretch naked in his jock strap. So there's a new thing we find out about <laughs> NFL quarterbacks, uh, every year of these hundred years, I think. I love that insider take from Greg Brady on that. Um, the LA Rams, difficult, of course, to read too much into uh, that uh, win against the Orleans for, for reasons we've already mentioned. Are you going Rams, real deal, no deal? Yeah, I don't like them as much as some do, but they're real enough to me that they're going to win the division. They're the only division right now that's got three 2-0 and teams. And I think if you could isolate one division's games and say they might be the most intriguing to watch, and especially if you're curious how Kyler Murray uh, can handle the NFL – this division might be it. And look, Russell Wilson re up there is there for the long term. There was some question about that with Seattle sort of jettisoning a lot of its defensive veterans. But to talk about the Rams, um, they do it all. I mean, Aaron Donald does it all. Still the best defensive player in the league. And I'm way higher on Jared Goff. I think he's a distinct and clear top 10 quarterback. I'm way more in I'm on with Jared. You 100% on yeah, I, I didn't get it. When he signed his deal, people were ranking him at 14 and 15. Unbelievable. Uh, I just think this guy's going to get better and better. And, and yeah. I don't think he's got brilliant weapons with him and obviously the running game a question mark uh, i think the rams are a very very good team that'll host a playoff game in january three more teams that are two and oh uh give us a real deal or no deal on them and i'm going to ask you about the bears and the texans quickly before we let you go so 49ers seahawks and the bills the 49ers jimmy g the return of jimmy g uh, as i predicted on this very show last week smashing the Bengals. a lot of uh, hipsters had the Bengals for a sneaky win there but the 49ers uh absolutely uh, blew them apart the seahawks 
of course, got that bounce with uh, uh, Roethlisberger going out. And the Bills beat the Giants, uh, one of those teams that Greg Brady has said should have a big fat asterisk next to them. So the 49ers, Seahawks and Bills. What about the 49ers? Okay, not in. Uh, I don't have them in the playoffs. I'm impressed by what I've seen so far from the defense. Two road games, though, I, I think against bad teams. They host Pittsburgh this week. Uh, that'll tell us a lot more about where San Francisco is. But uh, it, the NFC's tough now. I think 11 teams I've seen on multiple playoff prediction sheets. So I didn't have Dallas in. I didn't mm-hmm. have Chicago. Chicago in and I didn't have San Francisco in and they're combined six and oh like that's troublesome right, right now that they're that they're that uh, that they're that far uh, Chicago's one and one so they're sick a combined five and one but yeah. I don't have San Francisco in the playoffs Do you have the Seahawks no don't have them either. I know mm. it sounds like I picked four playoff teams I can assure you I did not <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't on Seattle and they kind of punch look I don't know that they win that game with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger but yeah. you make your own luck sometimes and uh, and the win was with Cincinnati even was too close to shave so them going against New Orleans if it's indeed Bridgewater starting that's really intriguing fly across the country go down to the Superdome look really impressive be 3-0 and you got Arizona and Cleveland two of the next three weeks they could really get out to where the math helps them because their second half schedule the Seahawks people need to look at it it's brutal a lot of really mm. good teams and most of them on the road more balanced offense from uh from Seattle this time around less reliance on the ground uh what about the Bills I think they're a more likely playoff team than the two I just mentioned but but that's because of the AFC and how the AFC just looks like it's so top heavy with New England and Kansas City that we're going to be able to poke holes in in any of the next four playoff teams and we did that last year with the Chargers, the Texans, the Colts, uh the Ravens that all of them look like they had something you could exploit. So I'm impressed the Buffalo's out of the gate this early. I'm a lot bigger Josh Allen fan than a lot of people are. This is the guy. He'll he'll unlike where Miami is, and and uh, and unlike a few other AFC teams, I think the Bills finally have. He's not going to be per se Jim Kelly, but I think he's going to play the most years in a row since Jim Kelly because the Bills have just had so many struggles from Alex Van Pelt to Doug Flutie and Ryan Fitzpatrick on on. They've had so much struggle. This is a quarterback that's here six, seven, eight years in a row, uh, and they're building something. But I'm not sure they're uh, as good as the other two teams. They might sneak in and be a six seed, though. It's very possible. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on uh, Allen and Goff. I'm glad we agree on mm. that one. I'm disappointed you didn't drop J.P. Losman in that list of uh, <laughs> mediocre Bills uh, quarterbacks. Uh, the great J.P. Losman. I once saw a J.P. Losman shirt uh, uh, at a Wembley game. Even though the Bills weren't playing, you get that, don't you? When you get all 32 shirts represented. And uh, I don't know if he was being ironic or not, but I liked well, it anyway. I think uh, the, 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 uh, the Broncos would take him as a starting quarterback right now. Washington might, <laughs> maybe even the Giants, if we few, see a few more Eli Manning starts. They'll, they'll take a reformed and unreal retire J.P. Lossman and maybe even better than they are. Quick line on the Bears and uh, that extraordinary finish in their game. They finally have a kicker in Chicago. Thank God for that, Greg. Oh, if you're, yeah, if you're remembering the double doink, I don't know that this makes you feel any better about watching that happen, whether it was in person or on the television. But they, they finally had, yeah, the luck of the, of, the, of the last minute kick go their way. The defense is great. There's no question about it. And, and I think that that's proven even more because Green Bay was able to move the ball mostly at will against Minnesota for at least three of the four quarters. So, I know everyone said, ah, they're rusty. Nobody played in the preseason. How can we know anything about losing 10-3 to Green Bay? The problem is, Nat, I don't... If you have a quarterback in mind that you just like, I have no clue... It's Mitch Trubisky. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's good or not. I don't know if they're keeping the training wheels forcibly on him because yeah, they I'm know. I'm not sure they buy into him. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel like a full buy-in yet. And uh, 120 yards passing last night on 27 attempts, no less. And, and mm-hmm. we didn't see the scrambling, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky. 
I, I, I'm not saying cut him. He doesn't look like a bust to me. But remember, the Bears traded up to number two to get him in a draft where Deshaun Watson was was to be had and Patrick Mahomes was to be had. So it already looks looks a little bit suspect. And and that's not his fault. He can't help that. But I'm just not sure Trubisky can can take a team to the promised land because I think the Bears. I, I think Robinson's a great receiver. Their defense mm-hmm. is all fine. I think they're well coached. That uh, was a much better coaching job on the road to win in that high altitude than we saw. Uh, you know, from Matt Nagy the first week so good coaches can have bad games I thought he did the first week with the game plan and some of the decisions and the clock management but I don't know I I see the Bears maybe just on the outside looking in and I want them to be in now you mentioned Deshaun Watson uh, as uh, a player the Bears could have had under the gun right about now he's in Houston and uh, they are doing their level best uh, to make sure he's not in Houston much longer it was a big narrative last season, just how porous that offensive line was, not solely on them as well. Of course, Watson is one of those quarterbacks that invites uh, attention and hangs on to the ball too long and picks up sacks as a result. But it's happening again this season, Greg. How long uh, can the Texans keep letting Deshaun Watson getting hit like this? Yeah, it's a really, really bad sign. And we talked about just keeping young quarterbacks healthy. I, I know on Sunday you and me talked about Andrew Luck and, and going down this path. And I'm not sure Watson is as sturdy or as durable because the Runs are so by design for him when he gets into trouble. Remember also, some of the hardest hits he's taken, unlike I'd say where Cam Newton does it, they're not on runs. They're on just things he can't see, can't defend himself from because of, of coming around the blind side. Uh, even when he's, if he's running out, scrambling to the left, it doesn't matter that Laramie Tunzel's on that side. If there's penetration by whoever they're playing, the Jags, the Saints so far on the right side, someone's going to be able to take him down. When you're running with the football looking, you're not at a dead sprint, and he's getting sacked a lot, and he's getting hit a lot. Remember, last year, having to not even having to take a bus to a game that's hours away instead of being able to fly because your ribs hurt so much and they're worried about you internally, that's not a good sign for a long-term career. So they've got to find a way more than any other story in the league. The Texans mm. and, and their, their, their brass needs to find a way outside of Laramie Tunzel to either change some of what he does or enhance his protection a little bit more. Because you're right, it's not going to last long enough this year or any other year to watch this great player. And the league's a lot better with him in it than it is without. Yeah. No doubt about that. Hey, Greg, we started the chat reminiscing about the fact we're old friends, of Mm -hmm. course, and we're not getting any younger. We gave a nod to to Breeze and Roethlisberger right at the top, of course. uh, They're not getting any any younger either. But you know what? That last half an hour, it felt like it was the first time you and I did a show together. Just I could squint and close my eyes, and it was 10 years ago. And we're both wearing mustaches similar to Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) At least we've grown up and matured. We've seen the error of our ways. We've moved along. The Greg Brady, Thomas Selleck is a look I want to see again. Uh, cracking stuff. Look after yourself. Uh, you'll be back very soon, of course, on Great our show. Pleasure. And uh, yeah. our listeners can follow you on Twitter at uh, G Brady Radio. Uh, Greg Brady T.O. All right. <laughs> I'll that that, that other one may have been taken over by a bot of some sort from another country. I'm not 100% oh, positive about that. So I'm follow them follow also. Well. Hey, follow them too. Why not? <laughs> look after yourself, bud. We'll check in soon. Got it, Nat. Take care. Terrific stuff from Greg Brady will be a regular part of our all pro lineup throughout the season so looking forward to catching up with him very soon right our next guest doubling down this monday terrific to have uh this guy on he is somebody that most of you who follow the nfl will know all about of course a front office figure at the jets at the dolphins and now espn's front office insider delighted to welcome to the natcoom show mike tannenbaum mike tannenbaum great to have you on the show 
It's great to be with you guys. How are you? Very good indeed. There is so much I want to get into, and I appreciate uh, time is precious for you, sir. Let's route straight into it. Um, I want to start with, look, it's inevitable I'm going to ask uh, about teams that you know a bit about and have a, a bit of history about. Uh, I don't expect to necessarily get uh, you know too much into specifics, but it's, it's more the theory, really. So the situation in Miami at the moment obviously is not going to plan at all. And after the first week loss against Baltimore, uh, social media was buzzing within uh, hours of, of the game finishing that players were distressed. They were telling their agents they wanted to move. Um, and you follow that up with a performance uh, that we saw against the New England Patriots. How do you deal with a situation like that as a GM? How does the front office and indeed that the coaching staff as well deal with that amount of negativity that is being projected out there across traditional media, social media, it must be a very difficult thing to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. So what really what you want to do from a position of leadership, guys, is you want to get ready for the next week and you're playing the Dallas Cowboys and you want to focus that locker room in terms of let's ignore the noise. It doesn't matter what's going on outside. And we're trying to make progress. We're playing a really good Cowboy team, but we're going to play better this week. And we want the week three Miami Dolphins to be better than the week one Miami Dolphins. Meanwhile, the front office, they're putting together a long-term plan that they think will work in terms of acquiring a number of picks for the future, and they feel like that will help them long-term. They just uh, You just hope that Coach Brian Flores can establish the culture that they're looking for and give them a chance to win you know, each and every week. And again, if you're them, you're just trying to make progress at this point. So the, the, uh, the players are obviously aware that this season isn't going anywhere, but they have to buy into the long-term plan as well, right? Well, again, I think what Coach Flores is trying to do is, is evaluate who's going to be there and who's not. Mm. And I would uh, continue to see them uh, make changes. And if they feel there are guys that are young and ascending, you know, they extended Xavier Howard, their uh, Pro Bowl cornerback, then um, they'll they'll invest a lot in those players. Others, they'll, they will move on from and they'll continue to evaluate the roster. Yeah, I mean, on that, that's a really good point that you understand a team that is looking at a, a long-term project, you know, contending in three or four years, acquiring draft picks, uh, not being competitive for the immediate short term to enable that. You understand why players of a certain age and vintage, even if they're at the peak of their career, might get dealt. But dealing young players seems to be strange, where that you're trying to accumulate them, as you say, and make them the cornerstone of your franchise. So Xavier Howard absolutely is one of those players. Minka Fitzpatrick, there's a lot of rumors flying around that he might be up for grabs. Laramie Tunsil has gone. He's another young player, key player. So I'm not, again, necessarily expecting you to comment on the Dolphins specifically, but it is confusing, isn't it, to fans when a franchise is saying, we're in transition, we're building for the future, and then the fans see a lot of young players let go when they surely should be the players that the team is meant to be building around. Yeah, I, I absolutely. You know, from a standpoint that left tackles are hard to find, and, you know, certainly with uh, Laramie Tudsell, he's a young, productive left tackle. I'm sure they felt, though, that, hey, we could get such a premium that we're going to go ahead and, and maximize all these picks. We get two first-rounders and a second-rounder, mm-hmm. and not only should we be able to get, um, you know, a left tackle, but get a lot of other pieces that we we need and we feel like i'm sure they're feeling because it's year one with a new head coach this is the time to do that and reshape the roster and the vision that they think it is appropriate um you know last year i was there we were um you know a team that was candidly in the middle of the road we were seven and six we lost our last couple of games we had um some problems at backup quarterback and you know they, they wanted to take the roster in a different direction and it's certainly understandable that they want to do that I think what's really important, though, is it's it's really testing the leadership of the head coach because in this day and age, there's so many eyeballs on your team. 
and you want to make sure that they feel like they have a chance to win each and every week for the 53 players that are there because, you know, football is such a demanding sport. Larry Tons will find a line on him, Mike. Of course, he, uh, you know, famously had a, a very surreal uh, draft week, didn't he? After pictures uh, were released on social media, his account was hacked, I think, and uh, that whole gas mask uh, picture, which uh, did the rounds, that must have been um, a very odd chain of events for you to have been involved with. Well, yeah, it also created an opportunity. We had right. done our homework. You know, Laramie's a good person. He had made a mistake. Uh, he's not the first or last person uh, to make mistakes. His got caught in video. Uh, he was a great player, a great person, and it created a really good opportunity for the franchise at the time. Yeah, you took it. Uh, on to another one of your former teams, the, the New York Jets. Uh, they must be scratching their heads right now and saying, why are you kidding me? The whole Sam Darnold situation, so much optimism, of course, going into this season. He's a hell of a player. Could be, It could have been his breakout year. I guess it still could be. But the whole mono news, and again, talking uh, of surreal situations, I mean, you, you do your level best to get your team ready for the season in contention, and then something like this drops. Right. And um, hopefully it's a short-term situation. Obviously, it's a medical situation, so... Um, they have to let, um, obviously, his situation clear. It probably affects some of his internal organs. So for player safety, they obviously have to wait on getting medical clearance. But he's a young, talented player. They can still win without him, though. Um, Trevius Simeon, who will yeah. play tonight, which will be Tuesday morning in the U.K., is uh, a, a talented quarterback who knows the system very well. They can run the ball. They have a couple of really good running backs, most notably in Le'Veon Bell. Um, and I think the Jet defense actually matches up really well with the Cleveland Brown offensive line. So there's different ways um, for them to uh, to win the game, to control the game. And I expect it to be a, uh, a really tough, hard fork game. Mikey, you mentioned Trevor Simeon. It's a really good point, actually. And we were touching on it earlier on in the show with uh, regards to the New Orleans Saints and, and obviously with the Drew Brees situation. Teddy Bridgewater, an established NFL starter coming in. Uh, as backup and obviously a lot of uh, the more veteran backups have had their chance at starting in the NFL before but quite clearly there is a I guess a discrepancy between the very good backups and, and and everybody else when you're a contending team so forget Miami forget the Giants teams that are quite clearly in transition at the moment when you're a contending team does it surprise you that and I mentioned in the, the mechanics and the mathematics here why front offices don't invest more in in one of the best backups if you think we've got a, a deep playoff run here uh, if things go to plan, but we could be uh, unlucky, lose our starter for X number of games. Why aren't those teams that are, are serious about that particular season investing more in a really strong backup? You know, in a perfect world, you do. I think that's a really, really fair point. You'd love to have the perfect backup at every position. In a salary cap situation, you have to pick and choose your spots, and sometimes you'll go with a young player. Sometimes you'll go with somebody that's ascending, like a Josh Dobbs, who recently got traded from Pittsburgh to Jacksonville. Every situation is going to be a little bit different. So there's a lot of reasons um, when you go through like roster composition. You, you look at Philadelphia's situation. They had an ideal situation with Nick Foles. At some point, he became too expensive. So uh, they went with somebody young in Zach Sudfeld. He got hurt, so they sound jo- Josh McCown. Um, but it's a, it's a fair point. It's just when you spend money on a player that's not on the field, it's take away resources from a player that is on the field. Yeah, fair enough. Mike, last one for you. Um, I guess on a similar note in terms of value and, and managing that cap and knowing where to spend the money, we've seen in, in recent years because of the, the changes, I guess, offensively and, and just that things come into vogue and out, out of vogue, 
running backs seem to be valued a lot less than they were, say, say 10 years ago. Uh, and yet you've got exceptions to that rule. Saquon Barkley, of course, in, in New York and Zeke Elliott, as we've seen, uh, getting the deal that ultimately he wanted, although I guess some might argue that it was a deal that worked for both sides, but, but getting paid. Uh, what is your perspective on the value that is placed on running backs at the moment? Are they the absolute exception to the rule because there are one or two generational players in a, a constellation of, you know, very good to okay, uh, running backs across the rest of the league? Or do you think that, uh, it, there is a bit of a mistake going on here that running backs are maybe being underestimated and undervalued by a lot of front offices? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair point. I think there is, you know, that upper echelon, the true, uh, transformative players, and there's very few of those guys. It's Zeke Elliott. It's certainly Saquon Barkley. You can certainly make the argument that maybe Christian McCaffrey's mm-hmm. in that uh, discussion. Certainly a healthy Todd Gurley is. But then there's another layer, which is uh, people like Melvin Gordon. And unfortunately for him, he's learning that he's replaceable. And through two games, Austin Eckler's done a very good job for them. So uh, Le'Veon Bell obviously got paid. He was a unique situation. But I think by and large, teams, you know, you, we were just talking about roster construction as it relates to you know, maybe putting more resources into a backup quarterback. And likewise, I think when you look at the running back position, you say, like, that's a position that we can kind of share the load on. So um, it's one of those things where you have limited resources and you, you have to say to yourself, is this a replaceable part or not? And as we're seeing with the Los Angeles Chargers right now, clearly the running back position is a replaceable part. Yeah, indeed. Uh, very fair point. Mike, really appreciate you taking time to, to drop by. Are you going to get yourself over to this side of the pond anytime soon? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Happy to come back on in the future and uh, really appreciate your passion for our sport. Uh, absolutely. Back at you. At Real Tanaban. We want to follow Mike on Twitter. We'll push that out across our social media channels as well. Mike, look after yourself. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Excellent stuff. Two terrific guests to get us started this week, but we are only getting started, gang, because Wednesday we're back with Iron Mike Carlson. Don't forget our Friday show, Phoebe Schechter in the ESPN studio this Friday. Can't wait to catch up uh, with Phoebe and uh, find out more about her time coaching at the Buffalo Bills last season. She'll have, I'm sure, a strong perspective on the Bills who are looking like a sneaky dark horse pick. And I'm glad about that because I called them as a dark horse pick in my ESPN column. Speaking of which, that drops Thursday as well. And if that's not enough plugging, Saturday morning, our daily fantasy special. So you get the drift by now. Plenty of content coming your way. That's how it's going to be all season long. Four episodes a week, a lot of bonus video content as well. Uh, hit us up on social media at the NC Show. Alex, Tom and the gang doing a great job over there on social. Lots of bonus stuff flying out there. Lots of regular chat. Great community. Great to see you all uh, with us for the season. Looking forward to Wednesday. I'm Mike. Make sure you subscribe and we'll see you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.